Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Aristocrat Soccer Podcast. This week, I'm joined by an old Greenville teammate of mine, a legend goalkeeper, Armando Quesada. Welcome, Armando. Thank you, Jake. I'm excited to be here. It's it's great. It's great to have you on. I've, I've actually, you've been something, someone from, since from the beginning of this podcast, I was like, I got to get Mondo on. We kind of bounce back and forth in Greenville, having so many good conversations, learning from each other and can't wait for everybody to learn from you. Yes, I'm excited to be on. I haven't talked to you. We actually haven't talked in, you know, a couple months, um, maybe a year. It's maybe been a year since we talked. So um, I'm sure it's going to be a great conversation. Yes, of course. So before we get started, really, you want to just give a little intro to your playing career? Uh, yes, uh, just, I guess, to keep it short, um, I'm from Southern California here. Uh, I guess born in, uh, I was born in uh, East LA, but I was raised in a city called Rancho Cucamonga. Uh, I went to a high school called Los Osos High School, uh, was actually recruited into college uh, at a high school game. So I was not somebody that played academy growing up. Um, I was part of the Chivas USA Academy when that was around, uh, but going into my junior, senior year of high school, they folded and that team, that academy disappeared. So it was kind of in a nowhere's land, a no man's land right there. So uh, it just kind of worked out. I stuck to high school. Uh, my college coach was at a game recruiting a top striker, you know, that was highly coveted. Uh, I happened to have the game of my life there. He wasn't even looking at, you know, he wasn't looking for a goalkeeper at the time. Things kind of just sped up really quickly, brought me in for a visit, went to an ID camp, and then I ended up going to UC Davis, which was probably the time of my life. I met all my best friends there and had played there for four years. And then after that, kind of went through some rough patches trying to find a team initially. It took me, probably took me about a year and a half, almost two years to sign my first professional contract. Uh, Went down to Mexico several times, did some open trials here in the U.S., contacted everybody and anybody that I thought could help. Um, So it just, it took some time. And then I finally ended up signing my first contract with San Antonio FC in the USL. Um, And then from there, Went to met you there at Greenville, um, spent a year there in Greenville and then went to Detroit and then from Detroit went to L.A. So as you can, I've been kind of bouncing around. So um, now we're here and uh, we'll see where it goes from now. Yeah, we, we can't wait to see where you're going to end up because you're someone that I know you're going to keep grinding and not give up because I, I when we spoke, I know you when you were going on trial for that year and a half, you must have gone trial like 15 teams. It was wild. And that's kind of the mindset you have to have. You're going to get a lot of no's unless you're a big top prospect, but it's just, you, you got to keep grinding. And is that your mindset still today? Oh yes. I mean, I'm in that situation right now where I currently don't have a team. Um, I'm kind of knocking on doors, looking around, making, uh, looking for some contacts. Uh, but yes, it, it's almost, um, I wouldn't say it's obviously a mentality, right? But now I'm more, it's, uh, it's a subtle change. It's a mindset. So like you wake up and you are already in that mode of, uh, this is what I need to do. This is what I need to accomplish. These are the emails I need to send. This is the training I need to do. Um, I call it a mindset because you're already set in that mode. Like it's just automatic. It comes natural to me where before, when I was, you know, barely starting my professional career, it was more of the mentality of wanting to do this and having the wants and and it was a lot of hypothetical stuff that was just kind of circling in my head. And I wasn't actually doing many things, if that makes sense. I wasn't 
um, sending the emails or reaching out to the proper people because I would just in my own head um, thinking about the things I should do. So um, it's a subtle difference that at least I differentiate in my head. Um, and yes, I'm currently in that mindset right now, just trying to do my best to put myself in the best position to find the best team that would suit me the best in my career right now. So I might, I might get on the phone right now with Carl Craig, the coach here at Madison and, and get you down here. We could use it. We could use the keeper with some decent feet. And uh, that, that has always been your strength. That is what I do. That is why I, I am a center midfielder at heart. Yes. <laughs> Did you always play keeper growing up? Uh, no. So I actually stayed, uh, started playing soccer, you know, when I was about 13, 14 years old. So I wasn't the little kid playing up. Um, I used to play basketball. Um, so I got introduced into soccer late and then I ended up trying different positions. Uh, I was a center midfielder. I, you know, I got pushed back to defense. I wanted to sort, uh, wanted to score some goals like you. So I played some strikers. So I actually played all over the place. Um, and then when I got to high school, um, one of the keepers broke their arm. So I ended up getting a little bit more serious with that. And I actually went at my high school tryouts, I actually tried out, tried out as a field player. And within two or three weeks, I said, you know what, I'm going to stick to goalkeeping because um, it, it was an open position and then it just kind of worked out. So yeah. we'd be remiss not to mention the UC Dave, Davis days, what you're talking about right now, because my father, my dad, he also played at UC Davis. I think he was like class of, I want to say like 78, maybe 79. Wow, that's he was, amazing. He was a while back, but he, I remember him talking about you when you were at Greenville and you like, he didn't know much about you, but he knew you went to UC Davis. So he was always rooting for you. And I'm sure he's still tracking your career now. He's listening to this podcast for sure. So uh, was, what, was, was, what was going like, what was going to UC Davis like? I've heard it's a beautiful place from him. Um, it was, well, one, it was amazing to meet your dad because I would see your dad after the games. And I know something came up one time about Davis and I was out in South Carolina. So, you know, for anybody to even mention the word Davis, I was like, whoa, so I would love to talk to your dad about it. Uh, we did have some conversations, but back to Davis. Um, yes, it was an amazing experience. I wasn't supposed to go to Davis. Like I said, in my senior year of high school, I had applied to some uh, UCs down in, down in Southern California or some Cal State, uh, Cal States. And Davis was not even in the picture up until that game. Um, when I got there, my first day on the campus, I said, whoa. Like, this place is amazing. Like, I just knew it was for me. Um, so when that ended up uh, working out for me, I was there. I just had the time of my life. It, it's such a, an amazing community. The people there, you know, they, everywhere you get, everywhere you go, you get greeted. Hi, hello, how you doing? The people take the time of day to have a conversation and not everybody's in a rush. You're not dealing with traffic and all that. Um, so just the overall experience is, is, is amazing from soccer to just, living there um it's just it was the time of my life but it's something that I always will look back at and and really enjoy yeah. I always love hearing stories about college because everybody always seems to have a smile on their face when they talk about the college years when you're living with your teammates it's 24 hours a day you're training going to class maybe going to some parties just just loving life playing video games and and everybody seems to have a smile when they talk about their college days but at Davis you had a lot of kind of future pros and guys who would go play in championship or play at the next level, including Matt Sheldon, who you're good friends with. He has the, the YouTube yes. camp counties plays with the uh, FC Tulsa and ESL championship. So how much did that environment help you become a pro eventually? Um, it did help a lot. So um, when I got there, I was not, 
I wasn't anywhere close to a polished player. I, I, I hadn't, I wasn't recruited. Um, I wasn't highly like, uh, coveted. There was no ranking around me or anything like that, where some of the players come in and, and you can really tell the difference. So sitting uh, a freshman year and redshirting at first as a player, it's, it's hard to kind of take that in and it hits your ego a little bit at first, but it was the biggest blessing in disguise just because I was able to sit back and watch some of these guys like uh, Shelly. There's another guy named Ramon who ended up mm -hmm. making national team. Um, yeah. He's played in the USL and played at high levels. And there's other players that could have easily gone pro as well, decided not to. But um, sometimes as a young player, it's, it's good to just be able to open yourself up to a different playing style or understanding how, uh, you know, you can play the game differently. Um, so I was, I was blessed to have those players in front of me. I, I kind of put my, my ego aside and, and really allowed myself to be um, taught, I guess, um, a different way of playing, which I had not been used to. I've been used to the kind of the Hispanic Sunday league soccer type of thing, you know, and now you get into a college, more professional setting, um, the U.S. soccer way of playing, um, which helped me a lot. And I was able to improve my game a lot just by watching. So, yeah. yeah, that's the biggest thing. When you get into environments that you have to challenge yourself as a player, your development just skyrockets. It's incredible. Uh, like you see players, they go to college and, and, it, and I, it's almost like a fork in the road for a lot of guys. But we actually did a what if series uh, a couple episodes earlier. And it was more of like the fork, the guys that took the wrong fork in the road. They were and you're similar in your position. They didn't play their freshman year, maybe, or they didn't play, uh, they redshirted. And they had this mindset of, oh, I was a good player in, in high school, so I should be playing. And they had this negative, and they, and they look back at now with, with, with regret, and you're the complete opposite. You took it, and you're like, no, I have a ways to go, but I'm going to use this environment to make me better. And, it, and it's, it's great to see. And, and how much do you keep in contact with the guys uh, from UC Davis today? I would say on a daily basis, uh, maybe even before we even got on here, I was texting some of the guys. We have a, I have a bunch of group chats. Like I said, all my best friends uh, that I feel that are going to be life lasting. Um, I met there at Davis. So I was very blessed um, to this day. Even Omar, Omar was a, he was, he was a senior. So he took me in when I, when I came in, actually he was a junior and I was a true freshman. Um, and he was one of the greatest guys, one of my best friends for life. Uh, he took me in. He taught me everything he knew um, from even playing the game, from distribution to to game management, all the stuff that I was lacking because um, I, I relied a lot on my I relied a lot on my athletic ability to be a goalkeeper. Um, so, like I said, I was not a polished player and, and I started learning the nuances of the game, game management as a goalkeeper, the distribution, the timing, the positioning. Um, so I learned a lot from Omar and, and he is one of the gurus, I would say the goalie gurus here in the U S uh, he's, he's, he's a young coach. Um, he's up and coming. He's actually interviewing some, for some really big positions right now that I can't talk about, but, um, so things are going well for him. So for those who don't know this, the hoodie that you're wearing is, is pro GK Academy yes. goalkeeping, of course. And that is Omar's company. And it's, it's something that I'm sure a lot of you, what is it like 150,000 followers on Instagram, maybe close to 90 subscribers on YouTube. It's a massive goalkeeper brand. And it, it's, it's great because goalkeepers so often, like it, they're unpolished as you're saying, and it's diff and it's difficult to learn because there's not that many coaches 
the country is massive and there's so many, especially rural areas where you don't get the proper coaching. You probably don't even get like a real goalkeeper coach. You have a coach of the team who maybe was a field player, but you don't have a goalkeeper specific coach. And I find that individual training, the most beneficial for goalkeepers, field players. It's, I love doing it too. I train field players, but goalkeepers, it's massive. So what were your involvements in helping start that pro GK it's a, a huge company now? And when, what is it, what do you, was your day to day with it uh, now? Um, so initially it just became, it was an opportunity to me, for me to get individual training. Like you said, when I, uh, when I finished up my college career, I didn't have a team. I didn't have any leads or opportunities to even train with teams while I found one. So, uh, I, I texted my buddy Omar. I said, Hey, I need to get some goalie training. Are you up for it? I said, of course. So we started getting together. It became kind of a casual thing. And then we started getting on a schedule. Uh, then we started filming these sessions and breaking them down just between him and I, and looking at the little details. And then it came about to where, Hey, why don't we post these online? Let's post it on Instagram. Instagram was becoming uh, a place where people started to post their training videos. It wasn't a thing, you know, three or four years ago. Now you, that's all you see training videos and all that on Instagram. But back then it really wasn't, you know, that big as it is today. Um, So we caught a lot of traction with a lot of people commenting and and saying, Hey, when you want, we want to see more and more. And then it just built up to where we had our schedule of, you know, when we're going to post videos, we start, he became, he was the editor. So he was spending hours on end trying to make these videos uh, more appealing for people and, and whatnot. Right. So it kind of grew with the first year or two and then organically, and then he became, you know, he realized that this could be something that he, uh, it could be his livelihood. Like he could, uh, he could do this for the rest of his life, I guess. Right. So um, he took it a lot more serious. I ended up kind of traveling and, and doing, you know, focusing on my playing career. So we, we would stay in contact, you know, at least two or three times a week about posts and videos. And since I wasn't around, he started posting highlights and breaking down stuff like that. And then now look where it's at now. It, it's he, he has a lot of uh, he has big communication with a lot of professional goalkeepers around the world that he doesn't talk about. But he's really well respected around the world. He's talked to Bayern, uh, Borussia Dortmund goalkeeping coaching and, and stuff like that. So there's a lot of stuff that he's done even now with COVID, uh, with zoom calls and stuff that I was like, Whoa, you talked to that guy? Like, no way. Like, and they were excited to have him. So it was, it was awesome. So he, he's really grown it. Um, I've been a part of it, but he, it's really all his and, and I've helped as much as I could, but, uh, he, he's a great guy. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. What, what is, um, so obviously we all, I've, I've watched the videos. They're awesome. I actually love watching, even though I'm not a goalkeeper, I love watching goalkeepers break down other goalkeepers from a perspective of a striker trying to think of, all right, where, where's the weakness? Where's an Avenue? I remember, I don't know if you watched this video. I probably should have sent it to you before this, but, uh, Pickford gave up a goal a couple of weeks ago. His hands were very low. I mean, that's how Pickford is. He's low. And Robert Green, you remember the Robert Green, the goalkeeper for England, for he had made a bunch of caps. He was breaking it down and he was saying like his arms are too low here and he should have his arms higher. So he's more able to make these saves and he can save with his feet. But like those kind of conversations fascinate me. And that's exactly what Omar does, both on his Instagram, his YouTube, and also the individual Zoom calls. But as a, I'm kind of wondering, what is is there a lot of day-to-day in terms of individual training sessions that he does in out in California? Yes. So he does um, with obviously this past year, it's been tough. The 
uh, that's he's really done zero to no no trains just with all the COVID stuff. But uh, before all that, he was training uh, kids, you know, multiple times a week with multiple clients where it became it almost became a problem. He was he was taking on too many clients, taking on too many hours and he almost pulled up an injury, just kicking so many soccer balls and stuff. So I was like, all right, dude, you got to start to slow down. He was taking on so much, so many kids. Uh, so he does do that. He still loves that being on the field. There's nothing like actually being able to apply your knowledge. Cause that's the only way you can, you can post the videos and communicate some of that stuff, but the best learning, like you said, especially for goalkeeping is one-on-one seeing it with your eyes, being able to do certain reps and adjust your, like you said, adjust some hands, uh, doing some field testing. You know, I do that myself in training where uh, maybe in that example, you talk about Prickford with his hands being so low, we'll do a couple reps with that and see how natural that feels. Um, so there's a lot of uh, trial and error that you can do as a goalkeeper during training sessions um, that you don't see as much in the professional world, because as a professional goalkeeper, it's more about staying sharp and you should have all these te techniques down. But what Omar does, especially with the youth, and even I, I kind of enjoy, it's just kind of sitting down there and just, you know, talking about one technique, perfecting that and seeing what feels best for you. So that's what, what, that's why I think he's such, so great at what he does. He can pick out different things and different mom, uh, moments of the game and make it game related and then practice them on the training field. So it, it's just ever evolving and then you can spend hours and hours and, yeah. You know, yeah, that that's something we actually had Kevin Hartman on the podcast kind of early on. And that was something what kind of what you're talking about in terms of finding what works for you. He said he had a new goalkeeper coach at LA Galaxy and he was trying to tell him like if he's making a save into the top right corner, he was trying to I think he was trying to tell him to go like top hand kind of to get more explosion. Right. And he was saying he felt more comfortable using his right hand. And but it but it's so much of a case by case basis and you have to experiment as a, as a, any player, as any athlete, you have to experiment what works for you because a certain technique, your body, you may have like less power in your hips, but you're really explosive, maybe through your core or like whatever the case may be. And you have to use your strengths, um, to your advantage. But is that something that you want to really get whenever you, you retire, hopefully many years down the road, is that something you want to get really involved with and go back? And For some reason, I, I can tell you that from the moment I was born, I mean, this has always been in the back of my head. And um, I would say for some reason, just coaching and just being around kids. I love doing summer camps. I love volunteering and just being around the guys and being able to kind of spread my knowledge, the two cents that I've learned. And uh, I have a passion for it. Like I can wake up and just say, like, I can easily see myself do that for the rest of my life. Um, I'm not at that moment quite yet. I did a lot of that stuff when I was um, in college, you know, to want to make some, a little bit of extra money and, uh, two and two, I actually genuinely enjoyed it. I, I wasn't really doing it for the money. There was a lot of kids that I went trained for free, to be honest, um, just to kind of even experiment myself as a coach. Um, even when we're doing, when we do this stuff with Omar, there's a lot of drills that we both kind of look at and be like, no, oh, that doesn't work. Or, uh, kind of breaking down and analyzing and, and seeing how my drill that I created, works on somebody else because that not one size fits all what was working for me my style of training won't apply to everybody else so having a diverse toolbox of training and 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 all that is important uh, especially with what you're talking about as a goalkeeper at the end of the day at the end of the day it's about keeping the ball out of the net of course there's fundamental techniques um, but at as at the professional level the starting goalkeeper is a starter because he doesn't give up goals and he's a guy that 
the head coach has confidence in back there. And, and that's about it, to be honest. There's, you know, you can make all the big saves and have all the ability in the world, but it's about keeping the ball out of net and giving the coach confidence that you're going to make the right decisions most of the time. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's such a great point because 90, maybe more than 90, 90, 95% of the time, the head coach is not a goalkeeper never was a goalkeeper. So he looks at the, I mean, he obviously has some background, some idea. You would normally have a goalkeeper coach on a professional level, but he's looking at you and he's saying, all right, all I care about is the ball not going in. He's not noticing. I mean, is he using top hand or bottom hand or is he, or his hands? Exactly. So all these things are just, they're means to an end. And the end is obviously just keeping the ball out of the net, but let's back forward, uh, backtrack a little bit uh, to back to your own career. I want to hear more about, this kind of year where you spent on trial because you've now had a decent amount of success. You've been on basically every level of the U S soccer pyramid, which is awesome. You have, you you've, been, <laughs> you've been, you've played PDL, right? PDL. Yes. Oh yeah. So you played, oh, you played yeah. PDL, which is now USL two. You played USL one. You played USL championship. You played NPSL and you've played uh, NISA. So literally every, uh, the MLS, every right? give me, give me a pass on the MLS. Right. <laughs> yeah, MLS, yet, right? MLS isn't ready but uh maybe, okay. maybe a couple of years <laughs> all right but that I mean that's a very unique thing to say to be able to say you've played on every single rung of the ladder because you were too young when NASL was around you were still in college you couldn't even play right. there but what was that year like and then kind of transitioning into your professional career where what are the levels like is there a huge oh. difference between the two between all of them I'm sorry Sorry. So the uh, two part, but right. It was about the, my year. And then how's that? Changed? So gosh, uh, I can easily say that. I mean, I've talked about this with some of my, my, my best friends and stuff that year, that year and a half, um, that felt like 10 years, to be honest, that those every day, um, you know, going to sleep, it just, I felt like, okay, I was one day closer. Sometimes I felt like I wasn't even getting anywhere. Right. So I would say that year and a half before I signed my first professional contract, it was the most important, the best, the worst year of my life. Um, just the way it depends on how you look at it. At the time, it was the worst, the worst year of my life. But now looking back at it, the best, just because uh, that's, I think I talked about earlier, the mindset. That's when I started to develop um, this mentality of what's next? What can I do? What can I do to get better? Uh, what's going to get close? What am I, what can I do to get closer to my goal? Uh, where before it was a lot of, uh, almost the victim mentality. Like I have the ability, I'm, tr I'm working hard. I'm doing all the extra work. I'm doing all the right diets and all that. And I can't find somebody to give me an opportunity. Um, so that became, uh, like I said, it was, it was a very dark place for me for that year and a half, just blaming, making excuses for why things weren't working out. Um, but then, you know, as, as it progressed and as I kind of meant that made that mental switch, it was crazy how many things started to come my way, uh, almost in a karma sense. You know, I, I started just thinking it's going to happen. Just be patient. San Antonio called out of nowhere. I mean, not out of nowhere. I did reach out to them a year and a half ago before they actually called, sent them my resume, didn't get a response, but I was in their kind of, you know, library of people, I guess. Um, so I remember that call and then, everything switch. I was like, like, I was excited because I was like, see, being patient, actually, it's actually a thing. It actually pays off. So um, that, that kind of was reassuring for me. Uh, and then moving into kind of playing in all these other branches of soccer, 
uh, I always think about it. soccer is soccer. If you're getting paid to play, um, it's going to be competitive no matter where you're at. Of course, the group of players, like, for example, in the USL, there's a lot of guys that are from Europe and have had playing experience for years or guys that are coming down from the MLS to get some game time. And um, Of course, there's going to be a lot more quality overall at the higher you go. But at any league you play at, you're going to you're going to be playing against fantastic players day in, day out. So it's always going to be a challenge. It's never easy just because, you know, you're playing in the USL League 2 one day doesn't mean you can't be in the USL the next day. Um, is it a big jump? Absolutely. But if you're a player that's prepared at the USL League 2 and you're just waiting for an opportunity, it happens all the time. I've seen guys that go from sitting on the couch to, you know, playing USL Championship. Why? Because um, they're at the level. It's just a matter of opportunity. So um, at all the teams I've played at all the leagues at, it's been a challenge one way or another, adapting to the speed of play, adapting to the coach. Um, it's always a challenge. So you can always enjoy the, your time there. It's not like, as I've tried at different teams, like, well, I'm wasting my time here. I don't feel I'm getting better. It's just about, you know, being mentally switched on, taking on the challenge of the day and, and getting yourself better, wherever that, whatever that, wherever that is. Yeah. It's a trust in the process. It's, it's, it's going to be long and even an individual season is one year of a career and hopefully players have 10, 15 years in their career. One year is, is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You have preseason six weeks at least where you're not even really playing competitive games. It's, it, it's, it's long. And, and it's just the small day by day. You have to make small improvements, learn your teammates, learn your coaching staff, what they want. Cause everyone wants something different, but it is your point about like guys being on the couch and then playing at USL championship. It's, it's so true because you see guys like playing cosmopolitan league in New York city. And then the next week they're playing for New York city FC in MLS. It's crazy. You're like guys that I train with in the off season, most of them are like UPSL NPSL level and I'm training with them and I've had a long career. And I'm like, Fucking no, these like, these guys are pretty good. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and sometimes I think, and, and like there'll be us, other USL players there, MLS players there. I'm like, wait a minute, this guy might be better than this. And it's, it's, it's sometimes it's random, but you have to have the mindset of just, continuing to grind continue to put yourself in positions to be seen because if if you give up then then it's over forget about it but if you continue to try like you did being on trial with 15,000 teams whatever you were and yeah, eventually literally. something <laughs> and eventually something comes for you but and, it, and it's, it's funny I, I would like I would like to add that I think I've gotten to a point and this is personal like it's just the way I've kind of have my framework because my mind is like the most important thing to me now and I'm such at peace with a lot of things because um, I see them for what they are and not for what now my, my, my mind wants to hypothetically make up or what could have happened or what, what should have been. I, I used to think, you know, when I was in college, it's like, I wish I was a highly recruited player. I wish I, I played for Academy. I wish my circumstances were better. Or I, I would say, I bet, I bet I would be there if I would have done this. I bet I would have done, if I would have done, you know, you run so many circles and you see so many players saying, well, this coach, you know, never gave me an opportunity. So then my, I had to take a step down and now I'm not playing. So you see how many, there's so many avenues and so many ways you can, you get your mind lost and run circles around that where now I'm so focused on today. Um, I'll be honest with you. I could care. I don't even trust the process because sometimes the process won't even work <laughs> out. What I trust is today. Like I trust today that if I put everything I got into, uh, into my day, my effort, my mentality, uh, I give it all I got. I go leave it on the field. When I get to bed, I'm like, whoa, I literally could not do anything else. Then I'm a happy man because there's nothing else you can do. You, you, you're at peace. I guarantee you 
there's been times where I didn't give it enough and now it starts to haunt me. Now you start to make some excuses and blaming and it becomes a negative energy in your life. Um, so for guys that are listening, it, it's more than, cause when you say trust the process, it's almost cliche for a lot of people. Cause you, you kind of hear that a lot. Sometimes yeah. don't trust it. Just, just do your thing, do what you're doing today and just focus on that. Just know that that should be enough because there's nothing more you can do. Like there's, you gave it all. So it, it, it's interesting. And then you do that enough times. I promise you, you're going to give yourself the best chance at finding a success. And if not, at least you had a great time doing it. Yeah. You know, is that something that when you're coaching young keepers, you're trying to drill into them, this positive mindset, because you're so right. You, you, the negative guys are the guys that have short careers, even if they're talented. So is that the, like, the first thing, if you have a 10 year old, you're just telling them, right, be positive. If the ball goes in, don't worry about it. Just move on. So it's very key from what I've learned in my experience, uh, the age groups are very important. So, you know, 10 year olds, nine year olds, anything below 13, 14, well, they all mature at different ages, obviously, but just that range of ages, you kind of have to kind of get to know your goalkeeper first and then realize, okay, this guy just needs, I call it fun. This kid just needs fun in his life. He needs to enjoy coming out to goalie training. Um, I can't teach him seven tactical things or techniques because nobody at 12 years old wants to go to practice and learn about W catching and all this stuff. <laughs> you have to make up drills that, that you do. And then kids love visual learning. So as long as you do it properly, they'll try to emulate that. They'll make it a game of trying to emulate what you're doing. Um, so anything under 13, 14 years old, you got to make sure they're having fun, make the drills that, that make it enjoyable for them to come to training. Cause now the kid will want to go to training and the more training they get, the more hours they get on the ball, it's the 10,000 hour rule. Like the more time you have on the ball, you're just naturally going to get better. Um, as you get older, you know, the goalkeepers that are 15, 16, 17, that's a very, what I call a dangerous age. Because there's a lot of goalkeepers like myself that think they know it all. They've had some goalkeeper training and now they're ready to play in the Premier League, right? So, um, you know, I was there. I didn't, you know, I, I, some coaches have talked to me like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But it, it's an important age where you have to drill in some technique, still make it enjoyable. But if the, if the players at that age don't see you at least believe in your technical and your tactical aspects of goalkeeping, they're going to tune out. Because that's what at that age, that's what they're looking for. Most goalkeepers that the coach actually knows it's a classic. Does he even know what he's talking about? Are you a goalkeeper coach that are just making things as you go? You pull out your notepad and then come to training and just say, we're going to do this. Kids see that, like they'll see right through that. So that's another thing that I've keyed into uh, being prepared. You know, as you're going into a, goal, a goalkeeping session, you have to know your theme of the day, like your progression. You can't make things as you, as you go. Cause these kids will see right through it and you lose the trust and then everybody's time is wasted. And, you know, it's. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this, this point, like fun days or what, whatever you say, whatever your term, what would you say? Cause my kids need fun to your yeah. point. I find that of all the countries that I played in that 13, 14, 15 age group in the U S is the most burnout of any country because oh, yeah. of we think we need to teach kids everything at a young age, but really you just need to let them teach themselves. Cause like what we're talking about earlier with everybody's different and everybody has different strengths, weaknesses, and they have to apply it. You have to learn for yourself. And I mean, there's problems in every country. And I mean, 
that's just part of it. But I found in the U S that's one of the biggest problems. And it probably has to do with overcoaching because in Brazil, you don't, I mean, <laughs> there's not a that lot is, of <laughs> that is facts, dude. It's like, it's, it's the same thing. Why there's, uh, there's a different term here in the U S and then there is in Europe, you know, in Europe, they're managers, you know, uh, you, as a manager, you manage a team. You're not, you don't see some of these guys. It's the classic, you know, of course, what is Pep? What is Mourinho going to be teaching Messi? Like, what is that? You manage personalities. You manage players at 18, 19 years old. We're here in the U.S. I think there's a big uh, confusion, you know. I mean, honestly, thanks to maybe other sports, you know, football and, and, and basketball, there's a lot of X's and O's and stuff that needs to be drilled and coached that gets confused with the game of soccer because it's a 90-minute game. You have to be able to make decisions on your own. We're in football. Of course, we don't need to get into it, right? But, you know, there's a 30-second window where, you know, you have a branch of decisions and then the play's over. And then you can go back and talk about it. And there's a lot of coaching involvement. As a soccer player, you're in a match. The coach is 50 yards away. You know, you have to have the ability to think for yourself and make decisions in the game. And the best players in the world do that. They, the best decision makers don't, you know, I don't, I've never seen a player be the best just because the coach is right behind him pushing him and shoving him around you know it's 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 interesting you see that a lot in the u.s yeah it's an instinctual instinctual game and probably the most instinctual sport out there which is why i love it because there's a million ways to do it and to do it right and it's that's why it's the greatest game in the world right is that what, is that's that right <laughs> that's right i mean i love basketball i love my lake show i love watching Lakers. <laughs> I, I am uh, a, i am here. a fantasy I am a fantasy football player. I live for it. I love that. But soccer will always, you know. It's, yeah, we're not going to bring on LeBron on this podcast. We haven't mentioned we him. It's been not. like 40 episodes. We're going to keep him out. We're going to keep that guy That's out. That's right. We, we'll sit here for an hour <laughs> about it and get nowhere. <laughs> Again, it'll just be buttonheads. Uh, but anyway, let's, I mean, it's a great conversation. I'm going to send this to all the, I did a lot of coaching this offseason. I'm going to send this to all the keepers that I work with because I think it's such great insight. But now the last thing we're going to discuss is kind of the importance of as athletes like ourselves, we're not in the Premier League. We're not even in MLS where they make pretty good salaries. We're doing this because we love it. We make a bit of money. Yes, but it's so important to have other avenues of income and whether that be the coaching that you do or if somebody has whatever, it's like, if it's a clothing brand or if it's in your case, um, you, have, you own a restaurant and, and like, can you, can you just go into what that has been like, how you first kind of introduced that thought into your mind? Like I need to make more money. Um, and, and what is that like? Um, well, wow. Uh, this is a great topic to finish the, to end on. Cause I'm very passionate about this. Um, I don't know. I've, I've, there's been, I'll start with this. There's, endless contracts that I've signed in my professional career for zero dollars where I saw it on the dotted line and it said, I agreed to get zero dollars to play here. Um, and at first, you know, going back, if I would have told myself five years ago, there's no way it's worth it. Like there's no way it's worth, you know, spending all this time, spending this time away from your family and, and investing all this emotion and training and extra training for, to not get financially, uh, you know, um, yeah get something back from yeah. compensated, get something back. But now, like I told you, the, the mental switch was it's absolutely worth it for me because I'm not playing for that now. Like it, before I was like, I was playing for the contract. I was playing to try to get, make more money to get myself a better contract. That was an endless circle that that's out of my control. I can't control, you know, sometimes it comes to negotiations. It comes to team budgets to be able to see, 
you know, how much you can be compensated. And that's going to depend on so many other factors. So especially in the USL, I, we all, you and I, and everybody around us, like we know players that have two or three jobs, do the fine, do the extra coaching, do the, the camps and, and stuff just to be able to make it by. Um, it's so important to be able to have that mental and financial stability to be able to do what you enjoy every day. Cause it's really hard to enjoy playing soccer when you have bills and real life stuff that is going on in your life, right? It's difficult. It's not realistic. So the importance, as you said, is establishing some sort of financial income, whatever that is, the extra coaching, uh, the t-shirt business or whatever you're passionate about. It's important. It gives you the freedom to, to not worry about that on the field and, and stop pursuing the money on the field. And you start pursuing your happiness and you start pursuing your hobby instead of saying, gosh, I need to, you know, I need to make this next contract or else what are we going to do? You know, a lot of these guys are married. Some guys have kids. Um, so that's some serious stuff. That's a serious livelihood that you, that is, you know, I can't imagine some of those pressures. So um, yeah, it's important, man. I mean, yeah, that's gosh. something that happens a lot too. guys at 27 in the prime of their career, they'll retire because of that. And then it's not because teams don't want them. It's because they can't make enough money for provide for their, their wife maybe wants to get married or their fiance wants to get married. They have a kid, whatever it is. And that's, we have a lot of hours in our day because we train from 10 to 12. Maybe we're, we're back home at one from one until six, the missus isn't even home from work. So you have these hours that you can utilize, you can take a nap or play video games, or you can utilize and make it. So your career if you truly love it, I mean, not all guys even love playing, but if you truly love it, then you can make your career longer. And that's something that I'm trying to figure out and, and, and do for myself because I want to play as long as I can. And I know that the best way to do that is if I have other avenues where I'm making good uh, overall, I'm making a good salary for myself. But what going back to you. So you have the restaurant. I remember being at Greenville. We'd be at training like 1230. I'm in the ice bath. And you're up on the bleachers on a phone call. I'm like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> and so what, what is that? Uh, what's the business like? And how hard was it to manage it from across the country? It was, I mean, honestly, it, it's impossible. Like at the end of the day, I was kind of just kind of holding it steady Eddie, you know, being able to just kind of like having stuff on hold until I can get back. Um, there's a lot of things. And as a business, you have to be in person uh, when it comes to like employee management and, and just your culture and dealing with understanding how your restaurant actually works, uh, talking to customers, like you have to be in person for these things. Of course, um, you can get away for certain weekends or weekend or weeks at end, but like I would be gone for months on it. So um, it was difficult. There's a reason why I kind of, I decided to play kind of as local as possible, especially when I signed for uh, uh, in LA, uh, it just made the most sense. Cause I would be able to still, like you said, I'd be able to uh, play soccer, enjoy what I'm doing and then be able to drive to work, you know, which was 30 minutes away, um, instead of a thousand, well, you know, 1500 miles away. Um, yeah. so it, it was, it was difficult, but now I'm at a place where, uh, things have been picking up. I'm in person. I'm really enjoying that side of my career, the, the business side. Um, I think of it, it, it it's weird. So when I'm at my business, that is my physical break. You know, I am running around and doing all these things, but it's my physical break from the game. So, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not getting exhausted. My body's actually recovering. I'm, I'm trying to eat as best as I can. And then 
when I leave the business, which gives me some certain stresses, there's a lot of stuff that goes wrong on a day-to-day basis. I can go to soccer and like everybody else can forget about the world, forget about what's going on and just enjoy those two hours at training and really live in that moment, like live in that next play, the next excitement, the next goal. As you can tell, I, I mean, you know me, I'm a very passionate person and I get to exude and, and enjoy myself during those two hours that I can't really find anywhere else. There's nothing in the world that that really gives me that excitement, that happiness than, than seeing some of one of my guys, Jake Keegan, score a goal or, you know, <laughs> score a bike or a volley. And I'm running around. A bike. A I'm too old for a bike. I'm too old for a bike. I'm sorry. <laughs> running around, getting in people's faces, talking trash. Like, I, I, I you know, I talk a lot and I get such a high off that, just the game itself. Um, and then that ends and now, boom, mental switch. Body start recovering, protein shake get myself in the right frame of mind because I got to go put out fires at the business because as a business, as an owner of a business or anything, not just a restaurant or whatever, ever business you run as you're the top of the business, you're the head of the operation. Anything that happens that goes wrong is you like it, it falls back to you. It's your responsibility. If you're a great, if you're a great owner or head, like you should take on the responsibility, understand that how could you do something to be better about that and be accountable that accountability helps me back on the field because now my mistakes that I make on the field, I'm more accountable. So it's so intertwined. I see, like, I always jump around mentally and physically between both things. And um, they all, I mean, life is a weird thing. They all, you know, what you learn in one aspect of life, you can apply it to something else. And that's how the greatest people on the planet do. They, they learn things from one aspect and apply it to somewhere else. And then it just becomes a snowball, you know? Yeah. I have a saying that sport is the greatest teacher. I think sport, like, any athlete, I'd want them in my business, whether it's as an employee or running my business, because there's just so many things you learn in sport, whether it's learning to work with other people, whether it's to lead younger players, whether it's to follow instructions of management, of the coaching staff, there, there's a million things. Dealing with pressures in front of like a big crowd, um, work ethic, every, I mean, every, literally everything. Schedule, you schedule. <laughs> like literally, we go on forever because literally everything you need in life, you can learn it in a sport. Pretty much. Uh, but last question for you. We'll let you get back to your business. Uh, whatever you got to do. Today, I will. Sure. I will. I will be running there as soon as this is over. I promise. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet you will. Last question for you. What does the next five years, 10 years, what does the future hold for you, both as a player and uh, as a businessman? Um, so I. Wow, it's weird. Um, I don't really think that far ahead. You know, I always have. Uh, in my head, I'm like, I'm going to play till I'm 40, 45, 50. Like I, I could care less. Like I'm having fun. Like there's, I've been very fortunate I'm, as a goalkeeper, you know, knock on wood, like you run, le- you can play longer into your career. You're at less risk of injuries and, you know, you can manage certain injuries and stuff um, better as a goalkeeper. Um, you can extend your career. So I told myself, I'm going to play until until I, my body breaks down, like until I can't any longer or the day I wake up and I realize that I don't want to go to training anymore. You know, I, I have training tomorrow and that's literally all I can think of right now. Like, I can't wait to go to sleep and be like, I get to play, you know, 77s and whatnot. That's what's on my mind. The moment I realize that that's not a priority in my life and I don't feel that fire, then I know I'm done playing. So if that means, like you said, if that means five years, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, whatever that is, when I don't feel that fire in my belly and my heart when it comes to soccer, then I know I'll be done. But I'll be honest, like this flame is lit. Like there's like, <laughs> it is 
potent right now. So, uh, so when it comes to soccer, I just I'm going for it for as much as possible. I'll figure it out. There's always there's there's a billion teams on the planet. Um, so it, there's no excuse not to follow it if if I really want to. When it comes to business, um, it's the same. I, I feel that same fire. Um, that one I feel a little bit. I'm usually more composed there. I start to see more of the numbers. I see more of the progression. I can see myself. You know, I've been doing this for a couple of years. This is the first, this is my, my first, uh, I guess my second location. So my first time really opening something brand new on my own and really figuring that out. So that's what I'm enjoying right now. If I do well there, then I learn the formula of how to expand my business, how to scale five, 10 years from now. Do I see myself owning, you know, 10, 12, 15 businesses? Maybe like that's where I see myself. Um, you know, having them all over, I love to travel. So maybe having them in California and traveling up and down and managing them that way. Um, that's where I see myself 10, 15 years from now, but, um, I do, you know, I, I love other things as well. I love going to concerts and all that. So I get distracted at times. Um, so I, don't, I try not to, I try like, as I'm doing, I try not to look too far ahead. I have my mindset, my plan head out on a day-to-day basis and I just, it sounds weird, but just good things happen. I just, I wake up, I'm like, whoa, great thing. I'm alive. Things are going well. I'm around my family. I'm running a business. I get to play soccer. Wow. I get to do that again tomorrow. And then it just a vicious circle. And then, then life is over, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Like uh, that's the way I think about it. And I tend not to stress as much now. So that's, Uh, that's me. Yeah. Your mindset is something that all people need and especially in the times that we've been in the last year a lot of people have been down and I know it's tough for people to have that positive mindset but if they can just gradually make small improvements to the way they think from when they get out of bed to the when they go to sleep at night it would make such a difference in your life that is the biggest key in life I'll leave it sorry we went a little long but I just want to add to that like for the people that are listening that is the biggest key that's helped me before trust me like when I was 21, 22, if one of the things that I could go back and really tell myself maybe is like really change those habits that will change your mentality, not to be positive because it's hard to be positive when, you know, you know, with especially in these times, if you lose a family member or financially things aren't going right, like it's hard to be positive. You don't need to be positive every day, but you can find the positive aspects of your day on a daily basis. Like you can find little things that you can latch onto that that maybe can lead to happiness in the future than just sitting on all these negative things and what I can't do and what's going wrong in my life. Like if you're not waking up and you're not stoked, there's something going wrong. Like really think about it. If you don't wake up and you're not stoked to go for a run and get better and go to your job, like you should really evaluate what you're doing with your life. Like if you're with somebody that you really don't like your girlfriend or you're in a situation that you don't like, you need to seriously evaluate that either remove yourself from that, start to make some changes because life is way too short to be stressing on things that aren't important. As long as your family's healthy. And that's about it for me. As long as my family's healthy, my mind is at peace. Everything else is a bonus. Um, And then, you know, limit your excuses, limit all that. And things tend to work out. And if not, you're having a great time at this thing called life. What a way to end it. Uh, thank you. Uh, I, I think it's it's so true. I, I think everybody has something that they're passionate about in life, no matter who you are. And if you can have that passion be what you do on a daily basis, then life's good. I mean, you, you, want, need, you need a little it. bit of balance. You need maybe friends, family, 
significant others. Oh, whatever. I, oh I, I party, Jake. I think you know that, but <laughs> yeah, I, I know all too well. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you, I think if you can find that thing that you're doing nine to five, or oh, maybe it's not even nine, maybe it's not, maybe it's 11 to seven. Maybe it's, it's right. just a different, different hour. No limit. You, you set the rules. Show. It's your game. Yeah. It's your rules. Yeah. yeah. And, and don't get caught in these dead end, whatever it is, jobs, relationships, whatever. It happens. What, like you know what I'm saying, it happens. We all get there now. Okay. Like you said, fork in the road and it with that fork in the road. You just hit a dead end. Boom. Turn around, go that way. Let's see what happens yeah. that way. Like pull a quick, pull a quick Yui. Boom. <laughs> Spin it around and go the other way. Let's go. What are you waiting for? I <laughs> uh, love it, man. We we could talk all day. I'm sure we're yes. gonna get off this call and talk longer. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. We will, dude. Get, this, this we will awesome. get this posted soon. I've loved this. This is uh, uh, I'm, I'm I'm ready to run through a wall now. I'm Let's ready to go. go, dude. I'm telling you, I'm pumped up, and you gotta <laughs> it just live it every day. Not just right uh, now. This this brings me back to Greenville, and it's like pregame, you'd be like, "Yo, you're gonna score a hat trick today." I'd be like. Yeah, I am. Oh, of course. But now you understand why I would come up to you. I'm like, bro, Patrick, right now. Let's go. <laughs> uh, love it, brother. Thank you so much. Right. Thank you, bro. Appreciate it. Until next time, everyone, I'm the athlete, and we are the aristocrats. <laughs>